0: The Koi pod has made a new signing. Your goalkeeping coach is your God. Emma Byrne is joining Kathleen and Karen this season. Keep up to date with all the WSL action every Tuesday and subscribe to the feed in the OTB Sports app now. Let's start off the show as always with the news round. We're joined by Shane Hannon and Willow Callahan from OTB Sports. It is Manchester City 2 Wolves 0 folks, but Nathan Collins
1: has just been sent off. It was... It was... Dirty enough tackle. Jack Grealish is the victim here and, and Collins you call it a high foot, but it went right into maybe the ribs of Jack Grealish, but Jack Grealish is in agony. Nathan Collins has his head in his
2: hands. Um straight red card. I don't know if he can argue against this one. It looked uh, it's, it's reckless, Shane. I think um Jack Grealish gets in ahead of him firstly. And once Grealish gets a touch on the ball, if you're Nathan Collins, you want to be trying to pull out that challenge rather than making contact. Any contact whatsoever with the height of his foot was going to get him in trouble. It's up around the kind of stomach ribs area. He's obviously very disappointed that he's now coming off with his team already two 0 down in a bit of trouble. But I don't think when you look back in this VR we'll need to have any look no. I think it's a straight red card. It was rash. It was rash. And and like I know Grealish comes in for a lot of attention from defenders, and
1: I'm not accusing Nathan Collins of that, but it just looked like Nitha Collins maybe had a rush of blood to the head. He just went into the tackle too hard, too high. He almost looks annoyed with himself because the Wolves manager... Oh, he's distraught. Is, he's he's really unhappy. And I know the Wolves manager and assistant were, were standing on the sideline shaking their heads there, almost wondering, what were you doing? Um, yeah, it's a big blow for, for for Wolves already. 2-0 down at home to Man City. 35 minutes on the clock with Molyneux. And it was
2: Grealish who gave City the lead after 55 seconds. That's his 100th oh. It was dirty, wasn't it? You go in like that, like the way Collins has gone in, you either have to get the ball or you're in trouble. It's one or the other. And Grealish gets in just ahead of him, gets a flick in the ball. Collins has missed the ball by quite a distance as well. It's no moment, moment are... of
0: madness stuff, to be honest, folks. Yeah. Moment of yeah. madness stuff. Like it's, it's, you can't say he's a dirty player.
1: He all comes across as a good lad. Uh, yeah. But it was. Um, it really wasn't a good tackle. And it's, it's Grealish's 100th Premier League appearance today. I think that was his, his first... His first goal in, in some time. but uh, Yeah,
0: it's only a seventh goal for City. 55 seconds in, uh, like it was just textbook City. It was a brilliant oh, yeah. move. Like, uh, Phil Foden had this beautiful back heel to De Bruyne, uh, Cross into the box and uh, Grealish prodded it home. And then Erling Haaland with the second goal, twisting and turning, receiving the ball outside the box, planting it into the far corner on 16 minutes. Erling Haaland scored. 14 That's goals this season surprising. for the Norwegian and 11 in the Premier League. It's unbelievable.
1: The man is just—he is going to be one of the world greats if he stays fit in his yeah, career. Yeah, he's just like he did a couple of step overs kind of, and the, the shot itself was—I wouldn't say scuffed, but he didn't connect it as well as he could. But it still found the bottom left corner because it was so precise. Um, but jer Hallen is just imperious. Like Jack um, Reeder's going to be fine. He's getting to his feet now. Yeah, yeah, he looked—he looked in agony at the time. Just funny because I I didn't see yeah was <laughs> showing his, the scars showing the scars a couple to Ruben Neves I think it is there and he's um, doing the rap
2: impression there Ruben Neves <laughs> yeah, I, d- I think Ruben Neves is kind of saying you've gone out a bit soft and Jack Crease is saying well look there's a stud mark on my stomach here if you want me to lift my jersey for a moment so look it, it probably looks worse in slow motion it does but
1: uh, I don't know nah it's red it's red yeah it's definitely a red card but I mean um, Collins pr- probably just mistimed he thought the ball was there and and maybe. Uh, connected with the with the wrong thing connected with Grealish flesh as opposed to to the ball itself Grealish still holding up his, his shirt there are a few stud marks Ouch. on his on his
2: stomach to be fair to the man um, yeah. on the Haaland goal I think Wolves would be a little bit disappointed like it was very clever the way that Haaland disguised the shot going back across goal But when you've got three central defenders, you would have hoped that one would come out and actually press the shot, as opposed to all three um, stood fairly deep. And Jose Sá will possibly have seen it a little bit late, but um, the ball went fairly centrally into the goal. I think he'll be a bit disappointed he didn't get down. But Wolves, because they're set up so defensively, and now they've had to lose one of their centre-backs to a red card. It's so difficult to see them come back. And Could be six 0 Yeah, and on the face of it, this should have been a tricky game for City because City are just coming off. Playing well, did the best defensive re-
0: record Wolves had. Yeah, and you're the playing with the four goals before the start of this game.
2: Yeah, half twelve away from home at Molineux. Yeah. It's just the,
0: it's, it's scoring inside fifty five seconds though. Yeah. That 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 sets the tone and that killed the game really. Kill the game. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. Uh, and just, Wolves can't score goals so it's this is what what's it, it could be any score last year was quite a heavy score that City won by I remember De Bruyne had a brilliant game I yeah. we
2: wonder if Diego Costa was going to be involved and even though he was registered in plenty of time for the game he's not match fit so therefore uh, he's not in the squad whatsoever so despite the fact he's going to come in to ease Wolves' problems up front it's probably going to be after the international break and maybe even a week or two after the international break that he's going to be 100% fit and able to actually contribute to his new club as well City mm. so going
1: to walk this title though ah oh, yeah it's going to be one of those seasons that we almost forget about in in the history books Well we won't because Ernie Allen's going to score 50 goals Well yeah it'll be (laughs) memorable for that reason alone I'd say just so people uh, have the the teams there in case you're you're interested the Wolves team Jose Sa in goals the back four of Johnny Otto it was Nathan Collins of course in the centre half alongside Max Kilman before that red card Uh, Ryan Aitnuri at left back the uh, midfield three of Nunez Ruben Neves and Joao Moutinho and uh, up front Daniel Potence uh, Um, winged by Pedro Neto and Gonzalo Guedes for City then Edgerson in goal back four of John Stones Manuel Akanji and Ruben Diaz in the middle and Joao Cancelo on the left Diaz of course rested during the week for the Champions League against Dortmund the midfield three Kevin De Bruyne uh, Rodri and Bernardo Silva and then Phil Foden and Jack Grealish either side of Erling Haaland so uh, a strong City lineup. yeah they look dangerous Two more games as well today in the yeah, Premier League. Indeed, a bit of action to, to keep us interested. Uh, this afternoon, Newcastle hosts Bournemouth at 3 o'clock and Tottenham meet winless Leicester City in the evening kickoff from half past 5. Eddie Howe admits his former club Bournemouth will always have a special place in his heart. He faces them for the first time as a manager today, as I said, when the two sides meet at St James's Park at 3 o'clock. Howe spent eight years with the South Coast outfit, leading them from League 2 to the top flight. I
0: personally feel a huge sense of gratitude to the club, to everyone connected with the club during my time there. I wouldn't be sat in this position now if it wasn't for AFC Bournemouth. And yeah, I just want to say a big thank
1: you to everyone there. And obviously we're competing to win the game and desperate to do so, but it will be a special game for us. should have mentioned Conor Ronan as well, the Irish international, uh, well, not full international, but uh, he is on the bench for Wolves this afternoon. So it be nice to see him come off the bench, but uh, remains to be seen. Uh, last night in the Premier League, Fulham up to sixth in the table Marco Silva's side coming from behind to win 3-2 away to Nottingham Forest while Jacob Ramsey's first half strike gave Aston Villa a 1-0 win at home to Southampton their first win in five Premier League matches a terrible game by all accounts but an important three points for Stephen Gerrard St- uh, Sheffield United hope to maintain their one point lead at the top of the Championship table when they travel to Preston this afternoon in the, the second tier Norwich can take advantage of any slip up by the South Yorkshire club they're looking to win a seventh league game in a row at home to West Brom bottom side Coventry are aiming to secure their first victory of the campaign when they travel to Birmingham City Huddersfield Town host Cardiff after sacking manager Danny Schofield earlier this week Andy Carroll could play for Reading after re-signing for the club when they go to Wigan Athletic the early game game sees Swansea City take on Hull City that game is scoreless uh, nil nil after 39 minutes just checking the lineups just on the off chance that uh, Michael Obafemi was involved but of course he's not Ryan Manning uh, does play for Swansea in that game from an Irish perspective um, elsewhere, Burnley take on Bristol City. Luton host Cardiff. Blackpool travel to Millwall. Watf- Watford face Sunderland. QPR host Stoke. Uh, while there's a 7:45 kick off at the Riverside Stadium as Middlesbrough host Rotherham. Who would we like to see in the
0: Ireland team for these games against Scotland and Armenia? Scotland next week.
1: Scott Hogan. I think you, you need to be in the there. team. I, I would put him in the team. I, I know a lot. A lot of people hasn't would agree. really done it yet for the country. No, he hasn't. But um, I'd be a big. <sighs> proponent of of make, maybe putting players in on form the man is, is rifling him in for birmingham at the minute uh scored a hat trick midweek of course against west brom in the the, the derby ah, look maybe it's too soon for him i think he needs i think he needs a good a good stretch of time on the pitch whether it's the last half an hour whether he starts um he probably won't start let's be honest but uh yeah i'd like to see players in there on form on merit um like Obafim, he's not playing for swansea at the minute I, l- I like the fact that Robbie brady's back included and, and he's Playing, playing well for Preston by all accounts in the Championship, according to reports. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what what lineup he goes with. But um,
2: Double-guessing Ken- Stephen Kenny slightly here, but I think Obafeni might yet start, given that he was playing well up until the point of the transfer dispute at the end of the transfer window, and he has played players previously who weren't getting out of football at club level, I think back to Duffy uh, playing and showing faith in him. Mm. So Obafemi could start. I mean, Callum Robinson's form has been great, but at least he's got a couple of good games behind him at Cardiff since he got his move. Callum Robinson could play through the middle with Ogbeni over on the right-hand side. Ogbeni's had a the great left. start to the season.
1: Yeah,
2: um, Ogbeni will definitely start. I think that's the one nailed on thing yeah. on the right-hand side. It's whether it's Obafemi or Robinson, I think, through the middle, will be the selection up front. He's got a lot of selection calls to make at the also back. Also powers as well. Yeah, Par could well play on the left. And then I think it's Nathan Collins and one other, whether that's going to be Umabamidele, or whether he decides to go for someone more experienced beside him in the centre half positions. I think, despite the fact that Matt Doherty's not got a lot of game time no at club level, time. I think Doherty might play ahead of Coleman at right back, and I think McLean will probably play at left back. Certainly, no need for Nathan Collins to hold
1: back in these two internationals now, given he's going to be out for probably three games. for, uh, for He Wolves. was brilliant
2: in the last window, though, so I think it is a case of who he pairs with him, and if he plays. Blomo has been getting his
0: game all the time for Norwich, and they're doing well, so mm. yeah, I, think, I think he's going to
2: contention. I think the nailed on one is John Egan. In there with Collins, and then it's probably Umabamadeli I would yeah. say as the third, and then so Duffy has been playing first. No, football. I don't think. I think Duffy's handy to have in the squad for the two games, but I think it's yeah. very unlikely he starts in Glasgow. The great thing is that I
1: think for a number of years there we had a, a definite
2: starting eleven for, for the Republic
1: of Ireland, and the strength and depth wasn't really there. Now we all, all of a sudden have a discussion for every for every game, we, we, like Ma- mainly in the
0: mainly in the defensive
1: position. Well, right? yeah, don't think
0: we've we capacity of options. I know it's we, we had a good day against Scotland in Dublin, but it's still. I still would say we're, we're, going to, we're struggling in the midfield and attacking positions yeah. Andy Robertson is going to be missing I think yeah not for, he the, for, is, the, for yeah, the Scotland yeah, game yeah, as well so
1: injured. that's a bit of a boost for the whole looking of Scotland matches in the premiership this afternoon indeed after three straight defeats in all competitions Rangers look to get back to winning ways in the Scottish premiership this afternoon they host bottom side Dundee United who are yet to register a victory so far this season third placed Aberdeen travel to Hibs knowing they could overtake Rangers in the table if results go their way Livingston meet Kilmarnock and Ross Cowdy face St Johnston. all games get underway at 3 3 p.m. 1st uh, Division sides Waterford and Treaty United booked their places in the draw for the FAI Cup semi-finals last night Shane Griffin Dara Power and Phoenix Patterson scored as Waterford edged past 12-time winners Dundalk 3-2 at the RSC bit of a surprise result there while Enda Curran's hat-trick helped Treaty United beat UCD 4-1 to advance to the last four of the Cup for the first time in their history. Shelburne have the chance to regain the lead in the Women's National League for an hour at least. They are away to Athlone Town today from half past four. Current leaders Wexford Youths play host to Tre- Treaty United. Third-placed Peamount entertain Sligo Rovers. There's a Dublin Derby with Bohemians at home to DLR Waves and this afternoon's other game sees Cork City host Galway. Uh, England's European Championship winner Beth Mead scored twice for Arsenal as they began the Women's Super League season with a 4-0 win against Brighton last night. They made the most of an early red card for their opponents who had Emma Kulberg sent off in the 7th minute there was action ongoing in the, uh, the table today as well I'm just checking the latest score Manchester United last they saw at half time were 4-0 up uh, against Reading in their games that was a lunchtime kickoff in that one so uh, looks like uh, all three points for Manchester United some golf news Phil Mickelson has called for golf to reunite oh that's nice of him lovely fella <laughs> claiming the controversial Live series and PGA Tour can complement each other well the six time major winner has been a big supporter of Live since joining the Saudi backed breakaway competition and Mickelson has said bitterness between the organisations is counterproductive so Rory's leading He is. He's doing well, Rory McIlroy, at the uh, Italian Open, the third round. I'm just trying to get the the leaderboard up in front of me here. So, he was a shot ahead, of course, overnight of Matt Fitzpatrick. He's now a shot ahead of Victor Perez, the Frenchman. So, Rory, uh, one under four today through six holes. That leaves him ten under par for the tournament after his opening uh, 67 and 66. Uh, Victor Perez, one shot behind him on nine under. And then you have two players in the tie for third, Lucas Herbert and Matt Fitzpatrick, both on seven under, three off McIlroy. So... I mean, he's a man in form at the minute, isn't he? He's done everything it. else apart from when majors this year. He's done every single, every everything else. Yeah, he's ticked the
0: boxes. Yeah, um, so he really needs to break that major duck uh, next year. Uh, women's golf on OTB in association with KPMG proudly supporting women in sport and Leona Maguire will have the weekend
1: off in Argon so she'll be able to get back for the Irish Open yeah maybe that was her plan but uh, yeah it's not worked out for her this weekend uh, missing the cut Leona Maguire the Portland Classic overnight the Cavan woman shooting a second round of 73 which wasn't enough to keep her in the field for the weekend uh, she hit an opening 75 on Thursday at the Columbia Edgewater Country Club and at the halfway point was left 4 over par for the tournament that was 4 shots outside the cut mark Germany's Esther Henson light, hitting 8 under par 64 yesterday to tie American Lilia Vu for the second round lead on 10 under. Now, Leon alone they've got good travel now. I'm sure she would have liked to have won that tournament to get a private jet to Dramola. Of course, of course, yeah, yeah, it would have been nice. But uh, yeah, it does give her that. I guess you have to look at the the bright side as well. It gives her the, the two days off ahead of Dramola next week, as you said. Uh, interestingly as well, two of Ireland's top amateur golfers going head-to-head this, uh, this evening in the US mid-amateur in Erin Hills, Wisconsin. Hugh Foley and Matthew McLean clash in the final. McLean is a 29-year-old optometrist from Belfast. He has a two-shot lead over the 25-year-old Dubliner Hugh Foley, halfway through their 36-hole championship match. Both finalists, interestingly, exempt into the 2023 US Amateur at Cherry Hills Country Club in Cherry Hills Village, Colorado, next year. And the champion will earn an exemption into the 2023 US Open at the Los Angeles, California country and a likely invitation to next April's Masters Tournament. They'll also get a 10-year US Mid-Amateur exemption. The runner-up earns a three-year Mid-Am exemption. So... She's a lot on the line for uh, for Hugh Foley and Matthew McLean in that amateur tournament. They're apparently staying in the same same place as well, the same digs when they're over there. So I think probably sitting over dinner yesterday evening talking about this and uh, the performances yesterday. But uh, yeah, it's a two-shot lead uh, for Matthew McLean, but uh, so much at stake for them in that tournament. Uh, Really interesting. Uh, um, yeah Leinster 7-0 up on Parma uh, Zebra of Parma with Luke McGrath with the try and uh, Ross Byrne with the conversion yeah all four Irish provinces beginning their United Rugby Championship campaign today that was uh, the Leinster game so new signings Jason Jenkins and Charlie Natty starting for Leinster in that game that got underway at one o'clock first start for Malakai Fekatoa and Munster's game away to the Cardiff Blues that's at five past three and the first interpro derby of the season takes place at Kingspan Stadium tonight. Ulster play host at uh, Connacht. That's at seven thirty-five. While last night, a pair of Ignacio Mendy tries helping Benetton make a winning start to the new URC season. They ran out thirty-three points to eleven bonus point winners over Glasgow Warriors. That's a commentator's dream, isn't it? When he's storming for a try, Malakai Fekitoa. Uh, just, it's the best sounding name, isn't, isn't it? it? Just runs off the runs off runs off the tongue for um, yeah, old Eddie Butler uh, sad week sad week yeah for Wales and I was even just listening back to Owen's chat with him when he went over to, to Wales yeah. and did the interviews and like one of those voices that um, just transcended the sport he, he, like when you think of rugby and rugby commentary you think of his voice uh, I know Ger was talking about him, Eddie being his favourite comment, commentator across all sports of all time and it's hard to argue not, not not some people wouldn't have known the name Eddie Butler but they'd have 100% known his voice um, yeah, so very very sad news to come during the week. I think he was he was hiking in Peru, taking part in a charity trek. I know he had done Kilimanjaro back in twenty ten as well as part of a charity trek. So um,
2: really sad news to hear that during the week. I think Malachi Clerkin's article, which is in the paper today, was online so yeah. last night. Yeah. Is really worth the list. Really worth the read as well because. It makes a very fair point, we were talking last night's show, that a lot of the regional voices, particularly in rugby, have been lost. It's now the rugby commentator is generally mm-hmm. received pronunciation for the play-by-play commentator and then you've got an ex-player beside mm-hmm. them. And there is a kind of a homogeny and a very sameness about it's a lot the of... the same in soccer here. as well? Happens a little bit too, yeah. I think BT particularly, I was flicking through some of the matches on the goal show one on Tuesday night and kind of thought that as well. The very, very similar feel to everything. There's a very defined, polished uh, commentator voice that's kind of expected now for the best part. And there was something lyrical and very, very different about the great Eddie Butler, who was a fantastic commentator. And you think back to Bill McLaren before that as well, who had a very regional Scottish accent. And I, think, yes. I
0: think a lot of all sports, like Peter O'Sullivan had a very distinctive mm. voice. Uh, John Motts and Barry Davis, very different voices, but yeah. very distinctive voices. I would feel with Match of the Day, as Malachy, I think, pointed out a bit in his uh, piece in the Irish Times, that there is a homogeny there in Match of the Day, for example. I think the Pearce is actually the best commentator of them because he's got distinctiveness, yeah. and you know, whether he's marmot or whatever. He stands I, out. He stands, stands out. He stands well that was incredible but you know even now I still think there's something in there that, 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 that the distinctiveness and commentators to be like we and today if Henry as we Ron Jones was utterly distinct mm. in, in his in It's his funny
1: because commentary is like George Hamilton's distinct yeah, you know? yeah people have, have opinions on Excuse me on commentators like when, when ITV replaced uh, Clive Tilsey with Sam Matterface I just didn't understand it because Matterface is so vanilla to me Like, but then some other people would love Sam Matterface's commentary similarly with Martin Tyler like I think Tyler just doesn't give it the oomph that he used to give it on Premier League commentary for the big games
0: um, like Rob Hawthorne's my favourite commentator on, on television and people might say well he's just you know straight down the line but sometimes
2: what's he like about Rob then?
0: Um, I just I like the way he does goals mm. and I like his voice mm. I think they're the two main things.
1: But that that's an interesting point, William. Like make the Shane
0: on. Long the Shane Long commentary was amazing.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. that was good. That yeah. was that was a good that he, he called it perfectly. Um the octave as the voice goes Yeah, on. I think his octave is very good. But yeah, <laughs> to yeah. be really uh you know, <laughs> nerdy about it for the, the listeners tuning out. Like that 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 thing on the on the accent and holding on to your regional accent is so important because I feel like so many media organizations now are going down the line of guys who have the, the Queen's English or I suppose it's the King's English now but the you know the, the just a the plain normal London proper accent whereas obviously Eddie Butler just had the Welsh dialect and didn't apologise for it one second and that's I think what you, what you want uh, even if Ireland were playing Wales and Eddie Butler's on commentary as an Irish person I just think there are less the legendary
0: commentators watching. in the world Michal O'Hare Michal yeah, yeah, uh, Peter O'Sullivan as I said Jim Dan McKee. Maskell uh, you know uh, Peter Alice play by play yeah, yeah. And it,
2: was, it was only a few days ago, lads. I had the BBC on um, here in the office just after the Queen passed away, and they played one of the montages. Uh, that had been made for the Queen's the 70th anniversary of her reign and who was on the VO but Eddie Butler and then Mm -hmm. it was only a few days ago that a few days later that he passed away it's why I was actually almost so shocked about the news but obviously that was archive footage that had been put together before but he had a tremendous voice to bring it together whether that was the start of BBC's rugby coverage and he was on the voiceover as the Six Nations would return and the coverage was coming around or something like that where he's doing it for the Queen or for the (laughs) Olympics or various different voiceovers he did beautiful beautiful voice and by all reports I know everyone says love Things when someone passed away, a lot of very genuine, heartfelt tributes have been paid by his friends and former colleagues over the last few days as well. And as Shane mentioned, the fact that he passed away while again trying to raise money for prostate cancer, which yeah. he'd done over the last mm. 12 or 13 years, and probably speaks a lot about the man as well. Well said. It was those montages, I think. You know, like as you said, like when there was
1: montages before a Six Nations match, and Eddie Butler's voice was over it in slow motion, and, and all but the you're images. Even, and, was
0: there even like a Six Nations ad earlier this year that had a bit of that? Mm. It was like, oh, the, the yeah. grand the grandmother or whatever would want you to watch the Six Nations, or
1: yeah, it was like thing. the it was like the Michael Sheen thing. You, have, did you see the the Welsh actor Michael Sheen doing yeah. the kind of pumping up thing, like that. Well, the Welsh accent just had something to it when it comes to you know pumping people up. Like it was fun, even just, and he seemed like someone who was into his craft as well. Like I remember interviewing um, Jimmy McGee years ago, and I. Was was writing for the college paper in UCD <clears throat> excuse me and he spoke about um, you know running around the fields in Cooley and Louth when he was a kid and commentating on fake matches to himself and it was he was born to clearly be a commentator I think Eddie Butler was born to be a commentator and,
2: and did it so well as I think well. too what some people forget is that because Eddie Butler came from the amateur era some people didn't even realise when they first sort of heard his commentaries that he was a former Welsh player and a former captain. captain of the team. At a time, it was very hard to get caps. I think like Eddie had less than 20 caps for his country, yeah. but yet six of them were as captains. So mm-hmm. you had to play a full international back then to get a cap. It was very hard-earned, but... Eddie Butler always had the craft of broadcasting journalism, that's what he wanted to do, that was his day job, mm. as opposed to in many cases now where you've got a player who their career finishes and they naturally kind of pivot into becoming a co-commentator, Eddie Butler had a passion for broadcasting that went beyond him just being a former rugby player as well.
0: I was able to write, I think that's mm. something that you know you, you really have to
1: admire about his work, his, his ability to, to weave words. What else we got? Yeah, I mentioned some racing first. There's a seven-race car at Golan Park this afternoon where the first goes to post at 1.35. 25 minutes later, an eight-race programme getting underway at Navan at 2 o'clock. And I should finish, uh, or not even finish, sorry, we've uh, Sharma Grover's story first. Tallaght Stadium has been daubed with loyalist graffiti in response to a chant sang by Sharma Grover's fans on the day of Queen Elizabeth II's death at the venue last week. Slogans saying, God bless our Queen, UVF and Linfield FC were spray-painted on the wall of the stadium's east stand. During Thursday's Europa Conference League match against Swedish side garden, a section of the Rover support were recorded singing a song about the Queen's death. Uh, and finally, some tennis. Andy Murray admits he took for granted just how good Roger Federer was in his prime. The 20-time tennis Grand Slam winner announced his retirement on Thursday and will play competitively for the final time at next, next week's Labour Cup in London. Murray says he was sad to hear Federer is walking away from the sport. I was lucky to get to compete against him in some of the biggest matches, um, in the biggest tournaments, on the biggest stages in our sport.
2: At the time, I probably didn't appreciate it as much, but now, like looking back, it's you know pretty amazing. It's incredible he's he achieved.
0: Okay, before you finish the news round, Shane and
1: Willow Callahan, where do we stand? Federer, Nadal, Djokovic. I I'm I think I've said the story before on air, but I wrote, I wrote to Roger Federer when I was when I was younger. I think it's when t- you didn't write to. Him, I know. Right? Yeah, yeah you yeah. Yeah. told this past story yet. The which story, the spa. The spa. And the rain. Let, let's not let's not talk about that. Talk about that again. Oh yeah. I've said I'm never going to talk about spa ever again. <laughs> um, if I go get a massage, at some someday I'm going to have to call it something else other than a spa. Um, yeah, I, I wrote a letter to Roger Federer, and he sent back a lovely signed photograph. I have it framed in my wall in my bedroom at home still. Um, Roger Federer to answer the question <laughs> in one in one name. That's a strange way to get there. <laughs> yeah, I got there eventually. But he's no. I think uh, regardless of numbers. Um, it was a similar argument in snooker even before Ronnie O'Sullivan got the seventh world title to level Stephen Hendry. He was still the greatest in, in many people's eyes and I think that would be the Roger Federer impact. You know, he was the... You talk about that trio of Nadal, Federer, Djokovic but Federer was the fulcrum of it. He was the the people's champion in some ways as well as the champion in, in many tournaments. Um, And that that first 2003 win, I remember... Really following Mark Philippoussis, the Aussie uh, player, back in two thousand and three when I was a kid, and that whole tournament, he got he got all the way to the final, and I wanted him to win. This twenty one year old kid called Roger Federer, who I'd never heard of, steps up and wins his first his first major, and um, the rest is history. He just a dapper man as well, um, just always looked apart. His retirement was perfectly, um, perfectly done, and perfectly captured, and perfectly responded to by the whole world because clearly he's held in such high regard. I think he will go down as the greatest tennis player of all time. Um, on the male side of the draw for sure. There's no, there's no one that can compete. You know, he's just, he's just the greatest.
2: Well, I kind of hope his last ever match won't be the Labour Cup, even though uh, like Federer is as big of a fan of Rod Laver as Shane is as, as of Roger Federer. Um, <laughs> I kind of hope the match between Nadal and Federer at the Burnabout might actually happen that they're talking about at the moment. I think it'd be very apt if Nadal was his last ever match. Mm. Uh, rather than being the Labour Cup next week. I think Djokovic will win the most. Yeah. Um, where, where do you stand though? Where do I stand in terms of who you like the most? Well, who do you think is the best? <laughs> well, look, the numbers are probably going to say that Djokovic is going to be the and best. And the metric? But for me, that's not the metric. For right. me, Federer is more beloved. Like... Djokovic is going to finish up and you can argue about you know, which Grand Slam is more valuable or Nadal dominant one or the other. The fact is like, Federer probably got more people interested in tennis during what was the golden era of men's tennis that might never be surpassed. Like, the dominance of those three players, mm. particularly, and add in Andy Murray for part of that spell yeah. as well, has been remarkable. Um, you can look back at players you might like, like Sampras and Agassi, they didn't play with the same depth that's there that those, those three have brought so I think Djokovic will win the most but Federer will be the most beloved by the people.
0: Mm. Federer for me 237 weeks consecutively as number one yeah. is the metric that I do think matters between mm. 2004 and four and seven, He won 11 and 16 grand <laughs> slams. I think at his peak he was the best of the three at the peak. Yeah. I think once he won the French Open in '09, it was kind of complete for him and then he was losing like
2: Slams to Juan Martín Martin del Potro and
1: mm.
2: uh, players he would have beaten otherwise had a dip yeah. in his career. That's why I think one of his biggest achievements was winning a slam in 2018, when you he considered he'd won one in 2003, which spoke a lot about his longevity yeah. and the fact that Roger had a few injuries along the way before that, and he still kind of got himself over the line just about, and he yeah. kept playing against Nadal as well. Yeah, so I'm delighted that he went out in the round number of twenty as well. It would have yeah. been awful pity if he just got to nineteen. Yeah, that that world number one streak is probably the, uh, that.
1: That's like, the, what I'm looking at as the metric. Would he beat Jimmy Connors by seventy something weeks. I yeah, think? yeah. Like Nadal is only about fifty weeks. In yeah, that. yeah, And I think that is the
0: metric. Um, <laughs> that you, I know Nadal, and Nadal was winning French Opens at that time. So that's and, uh, even Djokovic, like in the first he only only ever beat him in one slam which is US Open and he absolutely (laughs) murdered him and he won five in a row but then he just he never won another one after Del Potro. so I just feel that the second act was brilliant but was not as imperious as that mm-hmm. first act. And as you say, the the class, the style and the grace that he brought to the court and the way he played the game. Mm-hmm. As I said on the news talk breakfast this week, the Naray of, of uh of tennis just the, the like graceful as a swan. Shane Hannan, Willow Callahan, thanks as always for joining me on the news round. Remember folks, as you're binging on sport this weekend to pick out your best performance the weekend, whether it's a player, manager, even the ref, tune into ODB's Instagram page tomorrow evening, Sunday. Leave your selection in the comments. Under our performance rankings post. If your selection matches our topic live on Mondays, OTB AM, you're in with the chance then of winning a Gillette ProGlide Razor, Skin Guard Shaving Gel and ProGlide Refill Blades Pack. That is the Gillette Lab performance rankings for an effortless finish to your day.